the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. I secretly was one of the two or three top advisors to President Trump during the 2020 campaign. Uh, My father was his lawyer uh, for 20 years. And uh, my cousin was Roy Cohn, who was his mentor. So I've been basically mishpucha with Trump, is the (laughs) Yiddish phrase for extended family. (laughs) And um, in uh, April of 2020, I uh, contacted him and and said I wanted to help him in the campaign. And we had over 100 conversations during the course of 2020. And so part of the purpose of this book is to is to discuss that, reveal that, uh, discuss how we aimed and got the Hispanic vote, how we were able to flip the vote of the 25 to 30 year old group, uh, and uh, and and then what happened on election day, and how come we were so blindsided. But the main purpose of the book is that he and I have been huddling ever since. To, with John McLaughlin, his former his pollster, to develop a game plan for 2024, and this book really explains what that plan will be. Uh, Trump is the guy that doesn't hold his cards close to his chest. He believes in telling everybody and trumpeting it, and he's right. I, and uh, this book is part of that effort. It's it's kind of almost an authorized book by him. He's endorsed it. There's a good quote about the book, and he's being very generous about it. But I want to explain to people how we're going to win in 2024. Boy, I, I'm eager to read it. And I'm uh, you're, you're right about Trump. He, he, there aren't any secrets, really. And I have asked this right. around people, people that surround him. Uh, and I'll ask you, I have not. First of all, there's a lot of questions I have for you. I haven't really spoken to you or, or um, heard you speak extensively about what you ultimately think happened in 2020. But this is a two parter. If you could take us back to 2020 and what you think ultimately mm-hmm. happened and then if I could follow up by asking, do you think we're eyes wide open about whatever happened in 2020 so yeah. that it won't happen again? So we'll start at the beginning and take it to the okay, present. Well, in 2020, the Democrats obviously stole this election. <clears throat> obviously, if the if the vote counts were accurate and only only eligible people could vote in the swing states, we would have carried Pennsylvania, Georgia. Arizona, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Perhaps not Michigan, but the others. And and he would be president today. But that should not obscure the deeper reality that the Democrats were more successful at getting their people to vote than we were. There were 15 million new votes for Biden and only 11 million new for Trump, which is huge. Both numbers are enormous, but still they had more. And the key reality of 2020 is that the uh, electorate grew uh, 51 with the turnout in 2020 was 51 percent higher 
than it had been in 2000. And the population only grew by 20% in that time. So it's an entirely new electorate that voted. And the Democrats understood that the people that were motivated and intelligent and informed and articulate already were voting that the new voters were the couch potatoes, the apathetic, the uninvolved, the cynical, the the alienated, the uh, basically many, many, many downscale voters, including many very stupid voters. And they understood that you needed a whole other tactic to get those people to vote. The core of the Republican Election Day strategy has always been GOTV, get out the vote. But as any pizza delivery boy will tell you, home delivery beats eating out every time. (laughs) So what we're going to do now is take a page from their playbook and beat them with mail-in votes, absentee votes, and early votes. So there is no question in your mind that the push to drive mail-in voting is what's made the difference for Democrats, no doubt. Yes, but not only in terms of fraud. Yeah, it made it possible for there to be a lot of election fraud that otherwise couldn't have happened. But the main thing is that it enabled voters that don't really give a damn to vote. Mm -hmm. And that that increase in turnout is what gave the Democrats their votes. Yes. And we so so, you know, how can you stop it? And let me just ask you this. Do you think Republicans should reverse course and roll that back? Stop mail in voting and go back to absentee. I don't think. I I don't think so. I mean, I think they can, and that's fine. But I think the most important thing is to win at it. Take the rules the Democrats have and get more than they do. Take early voting, for example. Uh, The Republicans are like the the baseball team that sits back and waits for the three-run homer, whereas the Democrats were like the baseball team that steals second, advances on a wild pitch, uh, and then makes a sack fly to score its run. They hustled, small ball, they call it. And they, the, so the, the, Democrat, the Republicans sit back and say, we're going to have a massive turnout in November and we're going to win because we know our guys will wait in the rain for three hours to vote because they're intelligent, informed, and motivated. The Democrats say our voters won't, so we're going to get a vote on September 15th, September 20th, we'll win the election. Of September 28th, we'll win the election. Of October 3rd, we'll win every single day until the official election day. On each day, we will have more Democrats voting than Republicans. And the Republicans sit back and say, well, we'll lose the early vote. We always do. But on election day, we'll make up for it. And that doesn't work anymore. Do you think that's what we're living through right now? Is the Republican Party generally guilty of that heading into the fall? uh, In this year? Yeah, I think they I think they need to change their tactics. But I think that'll mainly happen in the presidential race. But you do you think right? Just to be clear, do you think as of that present, the Republican Party is making that mistake? They're laying back or do you think they're being better about it? I think they're laying back, but I think that in a congressional election in an off year, uh, probably they'll be able to win very decisively. Mm-hmm. My strategy is more aimed at a presidential race sure. where you have a 20 or 30 percent higher turnout than a non-presidential year. Can you so, speak to the presidential 
elections statewide in places like Pennsylvania. And when you're talking about the counting, is Philadelphia, yeah. for instance, I've talked with you before when you ran the Clinton campaign through, you know, or advised the Clinton campaign, I should say, through places like Pennsylvania. Yeah. This is, a, you know, the thinking was, let's go to the hinterlands of Pennsylvania and just forget Philadelphia, for instance. Um, yeah. but, but Philadelphia is such a populated place where Republicans quite literally are just shut out from observing the count. Is that a, I we're, mean, is that something can we deal gonna, with that? We're not going to do that anymore. First of all, in Pennsylvania, we're working very hard for Doug Mastriano. Yes. And uh, he is a wonderful, strong, active Trump person, MAGA person. And most importantly, he'll be a good governor, but he appoints the secretary of state. So he can control the election process and uh, and they, there won't be any fraud when he's governor. Uh, but the other thing that we're doing is that when in cities like Philadelphia, we're carrying the Hispanic vote. The Hispanic vote is now Republican. Mm. It's been it's happened because during the 20 election, when they said the Latinos saw Antifa tearing down statues of great Americans, they said, hey, wait a minute. This is the country I risked my life to come to, or my ancestors did. And it's our last hope, and we're not going to let it go down the drain like the countries we left. And we've been through this before, and this time we're stopping it. So we have a very good chance in a whole lot of places uh, to carry them, like that district in Texas on the Rio Grande border, yes, uh, where we carried it, and it's never gone Republican in its life. But I, I want to make the other point that's key in the book. A lot of Republicans are saying, oh, we need a kinder, gentler Donald Trump. We agree with his policies. We agree. We love what he did. But we need somebody else like DeSantis who can articulate that message. And what I say about that is it's like saying, oh, we approve of the Allied strategy in World War II in Europe after D-Day. But Patton was a little bit extreme. Why don't we get a kinder, gentler general to run the Allied armies? <laughs> if we did that, we'd still be on the Rhine. <laughs> we don't need a kinder, gentler George Patton or Donald Trump. If you didn't have the, the I had a, I had a strategy in the, in the Trump campaign that I write about in the book, called the Frank Perdue strategy. Do you remember Frank Perdue? He made chicken. Yes. And his ads were, it takes a tough man to make a tender chicken. Because he was a real SOB, apparently. But <laughs> his chicken tasted good. So I referred to it as the Frank Perdue strategy. And we ran an ad during the Super Bowl, during the World Series, that said, it takes, it said, this is what Washington has come to. It takes a Donald Trump to get things done. Nice guys don't cut it anymore in Washington. And the whole idea that you that you need a Donald Trump to get this stuff done. And that's the point that I would make to those who say DeSantis or other people would be just as good. So, uh, yeah, Dick, do you on that point then? So for candidates, Republicans running here in the midterms, as we hear some of them um, are trying to keep distance or, or or I've heard some people say he needs to please, please, please stay quiet. Don't jump in this too soon. Stay out of the way. No. Is he a net positive no. or negative for Republicans? A in your huge, view? a huge positive. Yes. Uh, I mean, come on. He's beating Biden right now in the head to head. By 49 to 43, of course he's a positive. Yeah. And in the swing states, he absolutely is. Why do you think Mastriano won the primary? Yep. He spent nothing on television. Everybody else 
outspent him 100 to 1. Uh, McSwain was all over, and Mastriano wasn't on at all, and he won because he was associated with Trump. So, of course, he's a positive. And I want to make this other point uh, that is central to our strategy. Donald Trump is a unique candidate in that he's half incumbent and half challenger. As a challenger, he's saying, Biden, you raise prices. Biden, there's inflation, there's gas prices. You're letting Russia take Ukraine. You're letting China go crazy. But then the Democrats come back and say, okay, how do we know you'll do any better? These problems are intractable. They're insolvable. They can't be solved by, by man. And we come back and we say, hey, we did it already, mm-hmm. which no other candidate can say. Inflation, we did it already. Lower gas prices, we did it already. Sealing the border, accomplished in the past. So we can show, we show that we've done this. And any other Republican candidate can't say that. And that's absolutely key to winning the dialogue in the campaign. You are a tactician, Dick Morris, uh, so you have run campaigns for both Republicans and Democrats, too. Uh, just, yep. just, just imagine for a moment, if you could, put on the Democrat hat for a minute. How, how would you counsel Democrats to do battle? What they're doing right now, the January 6th stuff, the abortion stuff? How do Democrats no, that's push all, back? That's all crazy. Uh, the problem is with the Democrats is that to get them to change strategy requires that they change their ideology. The reason we have inflation and gas prices, the reason we have inflation is the ideology that you just spend money and you give people money. And then when they all go out and spend it, there's inflation. But they won't notice it because their wages have gone up. The reason you have high gas prices is because we restrict drilling and pipelines. But that's because we want to protect the Earth climate from global warming and carbon emissions. And you have to get the Democrats to abandon that stuff to get them to win elections. And they won't do it. Uh, the, the fact that we have high gas prices is not, not an error or an excrescence. It's a, it's a deliberate act of policy. The way that they get deterring smoking is you raise cigarette taxes. The way you deter driving is you raise gasoline prices. And that's what the Democrats are doing. And to tell them, forget about abortion, it's going to be a 2 or 3% issue, if that. Uh, and gun control probably will work against you because people will realize that if the cops are being defunded, people should have the right to carry guns. And that, But that the issues are fundamentally economic, and they're because, not just of your mistakes, but because of the accurate application of your ideology. So do you, just in summary, Dick Morris, and the book, by the way, I can't wait to get my hands on the return, Trump's big 2024 comeback. In summary of 2020, um, beyond the fraud, you did say they just had a mobilized movement, better organized than Republicans. So was there, but, but it was, here's what's critical. It was not organic enthusiasm, is your point? No. Yeah. No, it's entirely manufactured. Yeah. Uh, It takes a certain threshold to get a vote. And their strategy was not motivate people so that they get over that threshold. Their strategy was make it so convenient that they can't not vote. Yes. I'm a couch potato watching television. My doorbell rings. I go and I answer it. And I don't want to go out and vote. But there's this young guy with a ballot box, and he has a pen. I don't have to get one. And he has the paper. I don't have to find one. And for God's sakes, he's not making me go upstairs to get my wallet to produce a photo ID. And, yeah, I'll check the box. 
Thanks very much, young man. See you later. And let me go back to my beer and my couch. <laughs> and, and this and this is something you say Republicans should just get better at, not try to defeat or vanquish. We have our couch potatoes, too. <laughs> and we have a lot of them. Yes, we do. That's true. <laughs> we, do. we do. In fact, most of us are. French flood. <laughs> <laughs> Dick Morris, the brand new book is called The Return, Trump's Big 2024 Comeback. I hope we can have you back as this uh, year and the coming uh, yes. 2024 election. Uh, by the way, it. just to close, you do you feel 100 percent, I assume since you've spoken with him, Trump's in? There's no doubt in your mind he wants well, it again. Of course he's in. Yeah. Of course he's yeah. in. Okay. He's running. He's in. And he was never out. Right. Uh, the moment Biden was declared the winner, he declared his candidacy in his own mind. And no one else should challenge him, in your view? DeSantis, no others? I don't think anyone else can. No. Uh, he's currently ahead of DeSantis in McLaughlin's poll by a very narrow margin, 59 to 15. How would you <laughs> yeah. cancel DeSantis to handle that? Should you stand down and wait his turn? That kind of thing? Is that the way yeah, it should go? Exactly. Yeah, okay. exactly. And continue to be the superb governor that he is. He's really making history in terms of the ability of a governor to replace a president in affecting the people of the country. He's teaching Americans how, how to have a governor when there is no president or when the president's wrong. So he's, he's really blazing new territory, and that's great. Keep doing it. Get reelected. And in 2028, when Trump can't run again, you take it over. As we get closer to uh, the midterms, I'd love to have you back, Dick Morris. Thank you. Please. Yes. Especially in Pennsylvania, for God's sake. Oh, my gosh. We have to elect Mastriano. And this crap that's going on, about nine Republicans are endorsing Shapiro. Any Republican who endorses Shapiro has either had a lobotomy (laughs) or or a brain transplant. (laughs) Great to talk to you, Dick. We'll talk again soon. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.